Open your Bibles, please, to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read together there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Today is the membership class. If you want to join our church, that's how you do it. If you'd just like to find out more about our church, you're welcome to come. I teach that class today from 4 o'clock till 6. And uh, even if you've not signed up, you're welcome to come. If you can come to the Seven Hills entrance, that'll make it the easiest for you to find it. But we'll have signs up that'll help you to find the right place. And we'd love to have you in that class. Well, I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. We're working our way through this book of the Bible, and I want you to see these great verses. We're going to start with verse 16. It's going to say, therefore, we do not give up. And I believe there's a reason why Paul wrote these words, why God the Holy Spirit inspired these words, why we have them today. I believe one of the reasons God wrote these words for us and gave them to us is because he knew there would be times in life when we would feel like giving up. There'd be times in life when we'd feel like giving up. And so the Bible says, we do not give up, or some translations say we do not lose heart, we're to persevere. And perhaps some of you are here today because this is so important to your life. And I Winston Churchill, long years ago, and he became the prime minister, though what we would call World War II had already started. And in June of, June the 4th of, of 1940, a year and a half before the United States would get in World War II, a year and a half before the bombing of Pearl Harbor, um, England had already faced some great problems. Uh, um, great Britain had faced great problems and some terrible setbacks, including the evacuation of Dunkirk. So the new prime minister, Winston Churchill, said these words. He said, even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of Nazi rule, we shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. He said those words because he knew the flagging confidence of so many of the people and how they needed to be reminded, we don't give up, we don't lose heart, we persevere. And God in heaven loves us so much. He reminds us of the importance of not giving up. And so let's read beginning with verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where you read with me. Keep your Bible open. The Bible says, therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer, our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's talk together about five reasons we don't give up. If you're watching online, you can write these down. If you're here in person, we write these five principles down. Reasons we don't give up, reasons we don't lose heart, reasons we persevere. Let's note these five together. Number one, we don't give up because of the power and purpose of God. Because of the power and purpose of God. Verse 16 says, therefore, we do not give up. Well, let's note the therefore. It's referring back to these verses we looked at last week, verses 14 and 15, that talk about the power and purpose of God. Verse 14 says, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. 
He's saying God is so big and so great that Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, he'll raise us up as well. We can have eternal life by God's power and by God's love. We can conquer death, not by our ability, but by Christ. And we have the power of God, and so we don't give up. And then verse 15 talks to us about our purpose. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, the Bible says, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. You may remember last week we talked about how we want more and more people to experience God's grace. We who have discovered the grace of God, those of us who know Christ as Savior, we're, we're not like, you know, if you get saved, great. If you don't, no, no big deal. We care deeply about salvation. We want people to come to know Christ as Savior. We want more and more people to come to Thanksgiving and to increase to the glory of God. We, we want the, the renown of the Lord to be made known. And so we recognize that we have a purpose, and God put us here in this world for a reason, and those of us who know Him as Savior are here for a reason. I thought as I, I was working on this about uh, uh, a song. It's now an old chorus. All the old songs used to be new songs, of course, and this used to be a new song long ago, but it, it goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it. And this is for the best that I read it. Here's how the song went. Because he lives, some of you will know this, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. And what I'm saying is, what that old song that used to be a new song is saying is, man, the power of God is the reason I don't give up. God gave me a purpose. He gave me a purpose in this world. That's why I don't give up. And God has the power and purpose for us. You have power to face the future, not in your own strength and ability, but the resurrection power of Jesus who conquered sin, death, and hell is the same power he gives to us in salvation. And so we can face the future because of the power of God. He who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus. And note as well that we have a purpose to face the future. God has given you a purpose. God wants you to be an influence in this world for his glory. You can make a difference. We'll see more in this great book of the Bible how we can be ambassadors for Christ, and God wants to use us to make a difference in this world, and you have a purpose to face the future. And so we don't give up because of the power and purpose of God. There's a second principle I'd like you to write down. Would you write down, we don't give up because of God's work in us. Because of God's work in us. The Bible says in verse 16, Therefore we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. So there's this problem, our outer person is being destroyed. A little problem, a little problem called the destruction of our mortal beings. But there's a working of God deep inside, day by day. I want to remind you that God wants you to mature. God is not like satisfied to leave you where you are. He doesn't want you to stay a baby Christian. Some of you recently came to Christ and we are delighted. The Bible would describe you in many ways as a baby Christian. Listen, I love babies. Man, I love babies. But they're kind of immature. They're the cutest things in the world but they're a little immature. And if a teenager is still acting like a baby, 
It's not so cute anymore. Can I tell you? It's not so cute anymore. And if it's a grown adult still acting like a baby, that is not that cute. Did you know that? Some of you need to hear this. It's not that cute to be immature as a grown person. And God is reminding us he wants us to mature. He doesn't want us to stay immature in our faith. He wants you to grow. He wants you to learn. He wants you to understand more of his word. That's why we encourage you to read the Bible for yourself and read through the New Testament over and over. Get to know God's word. Get involved in a small group where you can study and sharpen each other and learn the things of God. Spend time with God in prayer. Develop a devotional life. God wants us to mature. And note this, God often uses difficult times to mature us. Often the means by which God matures us or one of the methods that God uses to mature us are difficult times. The Bible says our outer person is being destroyed. That's a difficult time. That means that clay, that jar of clay that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, first, that 2 Corinthians describes as our human body. That's a difficult time when it's being destroyed. The longer you live, the more you see of that. But God will even use that in your life to mature you and to remind you that the work he wants to do in you is not just on the outside. He wants to change you deep on the inside. My mom us here visiting and she recently she came for a family reunion and she sent a text to Vicki recently she said uh, can I use your crock pot and that's what she meant to say but what she actually said was in the text it said can I use your crack pot and Vicki just assumed she meant me that's what Vicki assumed yeah you can use Doug anytime you want I don't mind at all well we're jars of clay, the Bible says. Do you remember just a few verses earlier? We're jars of clay. And that clay begins to stiffen and harden and crack. It's frail and fragile. And our, our, the outer being, the Bible says, is being destroyed. You live long enough, you'll begin to see that in your life. But God cares so much more deeply, not about the outside. That's what people tend to care about, the outside. God cares about the inner person being renewed day by day by day by day by day. God wants to work in you. And one of the reasons we don't give up is because we know God is working in us despite the problems and sometimes through the problems, God is working to renew us day by day. And so we don't give up. We don't lose heart. Principle number three, would you write this down? We don't give up because our problems won't last. Our problems won't last. Now I'll tell you, verse 17 is a surprising verse in the Bible. Paul says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So you read those words and you say, momentary light affliction. Well, Paul faced a little bit of adversity, but he calls it momentary light affliction. So, I mean, I don't doubt, you know, Paul's got some things to teach me, but he doesn't understand what I'm going through. Because my problems aren't momentary light afflictions. They're not momentary light afflictions. Boy, they're much more than that. So Paul must not have understood the kind of thing that I'm facing. Let me just ask you to hold your place in chapter 4 and, and just skip a couple chapters over to chapter 11 of the same book of the Bible, 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11... I'm going to read to you what Paul says. We're going to get there eventually, a long time from now. Eventually, we'll get to chapter 11. 
And when we get there, I'm going to read these, I will read it beginning in verse 24. What Paul is saying, the things, these are things that of course have already happened before he writes the book of 2 Corinthians. These are the things that will fall into the category for him of momentary light affliction. Let's see how that sounds to you. Verse 24, five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and day in the open sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and without clothing. That is not perhaps how we would describe, we would not say, all right, that's momentary light affliction, unless we had a different perspective, unless we saw things differently, unless we were looking at this as God looks at it, unless we recognize this principle that our problems won't last. So I want to ask you to do two things. Number one, get an eternal perspective. Get an eternal perspective, not just a worldly perspective, not just an earthly perspective, not just a human perspective, but an eternal perspective. Life is short. We have brief opportunities in this world, and eternity is coming. And one day we'll stand in the presence of God, and those who know Christ as Savior will live for eternity. That's an eternal perspective. And then number two, put every problem through that eternal perspective. Put every problem you face into that eternal perspective. And while we're not saying problems aren't problems, and we're not saying they don't cause pain, we're saying in comparison with that perspective, we recognize they are momentary light affliction. And a day will come when there'll be no more sorrow and no more pain and no more heartache. And if we could see that perspective... We would look at life differently. We would say, like the Apostle Paul, we don't give up. And we don't lose heart, even though we're facing affliction and difficulty and trials and problems. Five times, 39 lashes. Three times, beaten with rods. The stoning sounds just you know, terrible to me. That must have been a bad day. The stoning day must have been a bad day. And yet, he said, in comparison, when I... When I see eternity, I recognize this is momentary, light affliction. I tell you, it's a very different perspective. Uh, some of you have dangerous jobs, and boy, the, the military people who are here, especially, can face some really dangerous uh, things in life, and we're reminded of that on occasion, aren't we? We're reminded of that. And I cannot tell you how thankful I am for people who stand in the gap on our behalf for the cause of freedom. I'm just thankful and put themselves in harm's way. And um, you military types, I just want to say how much I appreciate you. And some of, I know there's some who aren't even here. They're so busy right now. It's a really hectic uh, time for some and they're not even here, but you tell them on my behalf for you how much I appreciate them and how much, how thankful I am for them and how grateful I am for people who are willing to do those kinds of hard things. The first responders, it's a hard time to be a first responder. They're they face some challenges and adversity they haven't faced ever before. Perhaps the most difficult time to be in some of those jobs, and yet 
I just am so thankful for them. Those are dangerous jobs. My job doesn't have those same sorts of dangers, of course. I mean, I just don't. Although I will tell you that um, not that long ago, I got a paper cut and it hurt real bad. And I was studying for a sermon and I got a paper cut. And I'm not ashamed to say I did. I shed a few tears. I mean, it was I saw some blood and shed a few tears. But I know something about this now. This is not my first paper cut. I've preached through pain before. I'll just tell you. And I know when I get a paper cut now that my blood is going to coagulate. It's an amazing thing. And it'll stop bleeding. And then that human body is an amazing thing. That skin will begin to heal and repair. And it will get better. It'll get better. I'm not saying I like paper cuts. My blood, for crying out loud, pain, you know, tears and suffering. But I recognize now I have a perspective. It's going to get better. Listen, what Paul is saying is, Paul's not saying, hey, your problem's not a problem. He's five times lashed, 39 times each time. Rods on his back and stones on his body. These are not small things he's saying. I've learned something. That I can depend upon God through them and in them. And to such an extent that I can say about the problems that I'm facing, momentary, light affliction. And I tell you, you get an eternal perspective. And you begin to see things as God sees them. If you see them as the world sees them, you'll never... You'll never see what God is doing in life, and you'll have a tendency to quit and to lose heart, but we don't give up, and we don't lose heart, and we continue to persevere because we recognize our problems won't last. There's a a fourth principle I'd like you to write down. Would you write down, we don't quit because our blessings outweigh our problems. Our blessings outweigh our problems. Now, verse 17 continues like this. The Bible says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us. There's a production happening here. Something is being produced and it's for us. And that production is this, an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So it's like there's a seesaw here. On the one hand is the affliction and it it's real. He mentions many of them in his own life. But he's saying on the other side, even though that's real, even though it carries weight in comparison to that seesaw, in comparison, he's saying, is this absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. The blessings are so great, and specifically the blessings of the ultimate glory of heaven itself, they're so great. It's not that my problems are small. His problems were great. It's not that your problems are small. They are real. It is that the weight of glory is so much heavier and so much greater that we can't even compare them to the problems and affliction we're facing. In comparison, they are so deeply outweighed. Our blessings outweigh our problems. It's producing in us. So I want to ask you to do something. Would you count your blessings now in the middle of affliction? 
Some of you are facing affliction and problems and difficulties and struggles, and it is hard in those moments to count blessings. It's hard because we tend to get so focused on the problems we're facing, the difficulties we're having. But there is something powerful about counting blessings in the middle of our afflictions. There's something powerful about about remembering what God has done. And for some of you, perhaps that perspective change of just saying, God, I'm going to remember. There's some blessings I've forgotten. Salvation is a blessing I don't want to forget. And you can begin to enumerate some of the blessings God has provided for you. And there are so many. And then by faith, I want to ask you to see your blessings to come. To see the blessings of eternity. The eternal weight of glory. The eternal weight of glory. And it's not that our problems are small. It's not that they don't amount to anything. It is that in comparison they are light because of the eternal weight of glory. And that is absolutely incomparable and eternal. This weight of glory that reminds us that God has a purpose for us beyond this world. And that God is doing a work in us that is so great that by comparison we can say even about these deep, terrible afflictions of life, this broken world we live in, filled with clay pots that are cracked and fragile, we can say about all of them it's light. In comparison, it's light. We don't want the problems. We don't like the problems. But that's how great is the weight of glory from God himself. And so I want to ask you to count your blessings now and by faith to see the blessings that are yet to come. Jesus went to prepare a place for us, he said, and he's coming to call us to himself one day. And we can remember by faith the blessings that he will give us, all the blessings we have past tense and the blessings we have right now present tense, but the blessings we will have one day in that eternal weight of glory. And I want to be thankful for that. And it changes, the, it changes everything when we see that. There's a fifth principle I'd like you to note with me this morning. Would you note a reason we don't give up, why we don't lose heart? Because our focus is on eternity. Our focus is on eternity. I want you to go with me to verse 18. It's a beautiful verse. The Bible says, So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so the Bible here is making a distinction in two areas. First, it's noting the difference between gaze and glance. Between what we gaze at, what we glance at. It's this word focus. We do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. So years ago, I was a a young man, and I came across this devotional book, wanting to grow in my faith. And this guy said something that just caught my attention, and I began to see the world a a little bit more as the Lord wanted me to see it because of it. He said the tendency for us is to gaze at our problems. Boy, I've got problems, and we spend all our focus on the problems. That's where our focus is. And it's not that we don't have problems. And so we just enumerate them. And then we glance at God. God, did you see what I'm going through, God? And we glance at God, but our focus is on our problems. And he said, change that. And I want you to gaze at God and see who he is and what he's doing and what he wants. And then you glance at your problems. We're not unaware of the difficulties that we're facing. But it's a matter of focus. So what's your focus? On your problems or on the only one who can solve them ultimately. Is, it, is your focus on your afflictions or upon the Lord himself? And when you get this right, when your focus is on the Lord, when you focus on what matters and what counts, uh, then you get things right. And then your glance, of course, is your problem. God, I'm not, 
unaware of these difficulties and these needs, but I want to make my focus the things that count and the things that matter. Now, there's a second part, not only gaze versus glance, but eternal versus temporary. Eternal versus temporary. The Bible says what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So some things don't last. They feel like they last, right? They feel like they last. Money, man, that's, I need to get money because that's what lasts, but it's temporary. Pleasure, that's what seems, man, I mean, the world tells me get chase pleasure. It doesn't last. Power, position, the right job, the right relationship. Man, that's, that's what matters, right? Just chase, chase, chase all these things that are temporary. And the Bible's saying, wait, I want you to focus on the eternal. Because there are some things that last forever. It is amazing, isn't it, how often we find ourselves, all our focus on things that are going to last just, may I say, a hundred years. Just a, just a snap in eternity. Just a, compared to eternity. So we put all our focus on things that are going to last for a second. And hardly pay attention to the things that will last forever. You can't give a cup of cold water out in the name of Jesus without that lasting for eternity. You can't serve the Lord out of a pure heart without that lasting for eternity. I mean, there are things that matter so deeply, and our danger is we begin to focus on the temporary instead of the eternal. And if we can get this right, we're going to gaze at what's eternal. That's where our focus is, on the things that last and the things that count. And so how is it that we don't lose heart, and how is it we don't give up? Because we're focusing on the, on the eternal, not the temporary. Because we recognize that our that we've got problems, but our blessings outweigh them. That our problems don't last. It's momentary light affliction. That God is working in us. Our outer person is being destroyed, but the inner person is being renewed day by day. And because of the power and purpose of God, that therefore reminds us that the Lord himself has the power to raise the dead. And we have a purpose to make his name known in this world for his glory. And so we don't give up. And so we don't lose heart. And so we persevere even through the problems and difficulties and struggles of life. So I want to ask two things of you. Number one, I want to ask you to trust Christ as Lord and Savior if you haven't. Some of you are hearing this, and what you need more than anything is to trust Christ as Savior, to know him as your Savior and your Lord. Jesus lived the perfect life for you. You couldn't live that perfect life. Jesus lived the life you couldn't live. And Jesus died the death you deserve. He died in your place. When we took communion, we were reminded that Jesus died in our place. He was the sacrifice instead of us. And then Jesus did the miracle that we need. And he rose from the dead and conquered sin and death and hell. And if we will place our faith in Christ, we can be saved by his good work, not ours. And I'm asking you to give your life to Christ and trust him as Lord and Savior. And right where you are today, you can make him Savior and Lord of your life. But I want to say a word to you who are believers, those of you who know that you've trusted Christ as Savior, I want to ask you not to give up. I know the world says give up. I know it feels overwhelming. I know problems can sort of snowball on us, but don't give up. Don't lose heart. Persevere. God is bigger than your problems. Maybe the problems are bigger than you, but God is bigger still. Maybe they seem so great and so powerful, but Compared to the eternal weight of glory, they're light, momentary. 
And God's reminding you that he cares deeply about you and that he loves you and that he's got the power to see you through, that he'll bless you even through the problems. Sometimes he'll use the difficulties in life to grow and deepen us and to empower us and strengthen us, to cause us to trust him all the more so that we find all of his power, not our own. And I'm going to ask you, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Persevere. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? And as we pray, do you need to be saved? Would you give your life to Christ? Trust him as Savior. Christian, some of you, some of you, this is a hard message because you're facing some deep problems and great difficulties. But the Lord is reminding you that he loves you in the middle of those problems. And that he knows full well what you're going through. And he wants to make a difference in you right where you are. Would you say, God, I'm going to trust you right here in my problems. Though they're bigger than me. I'm going to trust you because you're bigger than they are. And God, I want to ask you to use me in the middle of the afflictions I'm facing. Use me. Help me to trust you and to follow you and strengthen me. And God, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm not surrendering to the things of this world. But I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you and trust you right through these problems and difficulties. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the strength it gives us. Thank you for the perspective it changes. Help us to follow you and trust you and live for you. And Father, I pray you'll do a work in the lives of people who hear this message that your name would be glorified and that we will trust you in the middle of the difficulties and afflictions we face because you are trustworthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.